You're listening to Talking Smart. The official podcast of the International Association of Sheet Metal, Gear, Rail, and Transportation Workers. This is Paul Pimentel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Ben Nagy from Smart TD Communications, and Michael Blaine from Smart Communications, who's producing this episode. As we have done for the past year, we are recording remotely due to the pandemic. Welcome to the 12th episode of Talking Smart. Each month, we bring you news, guests, and discussions of interest to smart members and working families across the United States and Canada. It's April, which means it is Smart Army Month of Community Action Month. Started in 2017, the Smart Army is a key vehicle for engaging in our communities, raising our visibility, and highlighting the important work that smart members do, as well as the essential services that we provide. It is also a great way to improve our image in our local communities, whose collective support we count on to back new union-built projects, new transit funding, and the high workplace and training standards that are the foundation of good union jobs for our families and for our entire communities. In past Aprils, we have cleaned up parks, hosted youth fishing derbies, built and repainted facilities for youth sports leagues, planted trees, and donated our time to local groups and causes, among many other events. While the pandemic limits some in-person activities, many smart locals have socially distanced or virtual smart army activities planned for this month. Contact your local leadership for details. Today's featured guest is a true smart army pioneer. Ronnie Hobbs is the Smart Transportation Division Legislative Director for the state of Virginia, and also a member of Local 854 in Portsmouth. In addition to working for Norfolk Southern and lobbying state legislators in Richmond, Brother Hobbs is the state's Smart Army Coordinator for the Transportation Division. He has spent a lot of time and energy enhancing the union's profile throughout the state via the Smart Army. At the 2019 Smart General Convention, Ronnie was honored, along with Makugala from Local 265 in Carroll Spring, Illinois, with the Joseph J. Nigro Smart Army Service Award for Outstanding Community Service and Leadership. It's important that the outreach in our communities, they see that hey, we're blessed and we, and, we, and we have good jobs and, and that uh, we're fortunate that our union is always there for us. And so we just want to get outside and show the public that uh, union is simple. It's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. It's a family. We also spoke with Ronnie about his state legislative work around two-person crew and other issues important to SMART members, as well as his mobilization efforts that turned out scores of SMART TD and SMART members to attend committee hearings, meet lawmakers, and see in person how the legislative process works. So when I sit around and I talk about you know safety issues or an agenda that needs to be taken care of, our local legislators, they see it, they've met our members, and now they understand this is more than just a club. This is about the well-being of all Virginians. Towards the end of the episode, listen for the open mic segment with General President Joseph Sellers. He responds to a question from a smart member about what union members have gained from our endorsement in the 2020 presidential election. Well, let's get to President Biden's biggest victory so far, the passage of the American Rescue Plan, putting people and workers back on the agenda and restoring the health of our nation, our economic health and our physical health. 
supporting working families and not the top 1%. Ronnie, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Now, before we begin, uh, I want to introduce Ben Nagy. Ben, you want to start off with the first question? Sure. Hey, thank you, Paul and Ronnie. You know, it's March Madness time and Virginia had a, a tough out, but it's springtime and hope springs eternal and April, it's Smart Army Month. So this is your time to shine. But first, before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to work on the railroad? Yeah, so uh, again, uh, I'm Ronnie Hobbs. Um, see, I've been on the railroad now for about 24 years. Prior to that, I was a, a sheriff's deputy and a United States Marshal. Um, and I left that. Uh, my wife's family uh, worked for the railroad. And so when I married in, I guess I married into a, a job lifestyle. And uh, my father-in-law is now retired. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still here. And, and now I'm fortunate that um, even my son works for the railroad and maybe one day my grandson. So we're, we're excited. We're railroad. Railroad is not just a job, it's part of a lifestyle for us. For those of you who don't know, the Smart Army was started back in 2017. It's about the union going back to its original roots. Back in our earliest days in the original formation of this union and the labor movement, unions were a big part of the community. A lot of people who joined unions at that time were new immigrants coming from different countries, Ireland, Italy, Germany, wherever it may be. They were coming in, they were forming roots in this country, and they were forming organizations where together they banded collectively. People did it not just ethnically, but they also did it by neighborhood. People banded together with neighbors, and it created a sense of community in this country. Over the course of time, things changed. Lifestyles changed. TV came. Cars came. People became a little more disconnected. And you started to see a lot of that happening over the course of the 70s and the 80s when the sense of community wasn't there as it was in previous decades. There was a time in this nation's history when you come back, can go back to the 1950s and you can go back to the 1960s. And a local union wasn't just a place to go and get a job or go and get on a, a pre-hire list or whatever it may be. It was about where people in the community would go and they would meet. They would host bar mitzvahs. They would, they would have weddings. They would have school dances, proms, things of that nature at the union hall. This is about us getting back to those days and being a part of every local community. So people feel like we are, we are a part of that community. We are everybody's neighbors. We're the people down the street. We take the union and make the union a cornerstone of each and every local community across the country. And so it gets us back engaged in local communities where we are. So in 2019, Ronnie Hobbs was the inaugural Smart Army Member of the Year, along with Mike Gugala from Local 265 in Carroll Spring, Illinois. Ronnie represented the Smart Transportation Division at that time, and he did a ton of work around the Smart Army in the state of Virginia and really enhanced the union's profile everywhere he went in every corner of the state. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started your local Smart Army program? Yeah, so uh, Smart Army was uh, it's a very touching subject to us uh, here at Local 854. I was uh, fortunate and uh, lucky enough to grow inside of a union that believes in a brotherhood, that truly believes in a lifestyle. We, uh, we don't look at ourselves as just a job that we come in with and we punch nine to five. Our union, our lifestyle is uh, something that we live every day. And that being said, uh, it's the band of brotherhood that, that was before me. And it's just my turn to step up to the plate and take charge. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it, it will continue. And 
and that being said, you know, from years ago, we did the, the jeans for the homeless. We would do sock programs. We would bring in our used jeans, wash the jeans, and we would donate them to uh, the homeless. And same thing for the socks. I would say about every year we, we've done the um, Christmas for kids at the Children and King's Daughter. And so when the Smart Army came up, this was simply uh, just a bigger avenue for us to grow inside of our local and to show all my membership that it's important that the outreach in our communities, they see that hey, we're blessed and we can we, and we have good jobs and, and that uh, we're fortunate that our union is always there for us. And so we just want to get outside and show the public that uh, union, it's simple. It's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. It's a family. And it's important that uh, no matter what uh, profession or industry it's in, there always can be a union. So that's where we've started with the Smart Army. And, you know, and we've took our local 854 and I'm honored and blessed that uh, with my state legislative director position, I've been able to carry this from one side of the state to the other. And I'm watching all my locals grow a smart army inside their districts. And it's just awesome. One thing, Ronnie, we're noticing and that one thing Paul talked about a little bit earlier is that, you know, back in the 1970s and the 1980s and, you know, even up into today with the social media and everything, it seems like people are growing a little bit more disconnected and fragmented. However, with your efforts in the Smart Army, what, what's going on is uh, you're actually, you know, bringing people together through these activities. You know, it raises our profile and it also gets uh, people who normally might seem divided to work together for a greater good of the community. Can you share uh, some specific examples of this work that you're doing, especially I know that you have activities that you've been doing even with the hurdles of the pandemic? Yeah, so uh, one of the things we talked about, and you know, it's it's as simple as you sit home uh, during this pandemic, and and as much as we you know we you know we learn and we cringe uh, as we watch TV and we read the newspapers or read articles online, uh, we see about the hunger and, and realize the growth of our children is yet to be seen how this will affect them. So it just hit me one day. I said, you know, we should probably do a a food drive. And even though I know our local union halls won't be as busy as they should be, I've asked the uh, brothers and sisters in, in each of the locals to simply just bring them to work and uh, drop off a can in, a, in, in somebody's locker or somebody. And, and long story short, a box. And I've, I've actually talked to Norfolk Southern and CSX and, and asked for permission to leave a box there and, and I'll come and pick them up you know, safely. And so I will tell you that uh, between all my locals here in Virginia, the food drive has just been uh, amazing. And I haven't picked any certain food drive or local uh, organization we've been handing it to. We've just been, you know, just anywhere we can help. And uh, I will tell you that that has been uh, tremendous. One of the things that this pandemic has truly, uh, you know, it's been one of the moments that, you know, that I miss dearly is our back to school uh, backpacks for kids. Every year I look forward to, um, and all my members that uh, participated, we would stand uh, outside the school. And I would always have a local political leader um, representative, whether it was a state delegate or a senator or even a congresswoman or a congressman, we would have them at the schools and we would handshake with the kids and, you know, just tell them that, you know, you can be all you can be. And, you know, there's nothing that's stopping yourself except yourself and uh, handing them a book bag and, and with school supplies in it. We might look at that as a, as a small activity, but for them. It was a huge day and uh, the joy of getting ready to go to school, but then also taking, you know, a brand new book bag and, and with supplies in it. And at the end of the year, we'd always do an ice cream social for them. So I would tell you, uh, 
if anything, here in Virginia, we're, we're glad to see the kids back in school. Uh, we can't wait to get back out there with them because uh, for, for me, that's what it's all about. Smart Transportation Division has launched a safety condition report on the TD website for all members to report potentially dangerous conditions on their properties. These reports go directly to union officers who can help you to do something about it. Visit the Smart TD website and look for the flashing yellow box on the right hand side to access the confidential online form. Don't ignore safety concerns. Use the report and above all, stay safe out there. So one of the things that you also did for some of the kids down in, in Southwest Virginia is you hosted the baseball spring opening for the kids in crew Virginia. And my understanding talking about bringing in differing sides on a lot of things you had, you had a local mayor there who was traditionally not really what you'd consider to be a, a pro union guy. And you brought the Congresswoman with you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, every year, uh, you know, here in Virginia, we have uh, different cities and towns that have different, uh, you know, avenues as far as uh, industrial and, and lifestyles, uh, whether it's living in the city or whether it's living in the country. So we have a town in, in, uh, in the middle of our state called Crew, Virginia. It's a, it's a railroad town, and, and that's what built that town. And literally, when we started up Smart Army, I went to our local Darren Crew and, and told them, I said, hey, let's get ahead of this and let's host the opening day Crew, Virginia, uh, Little League Baseball Day. And, you know, this is a huge event for them. This is the event where the kids just don't come out and play baseball that day. It is a festival. It is something that they rent a movie screen and they watch a movie and all the local officials and mothers and fathers of, of, across the town. It doesn't matter what industry or, or where you come from. You're in that town, you, you attend. So I was fortunate that uh, I've explained this to uh, Congresswoman Abigail Spamberger. And so Abigail said, yeah. I'm there. And so sure enough, she came out and I was honored to uh, introduce her and bring her out. And she threw out the first pitch of the game and, and spent a lot of time with the kids showing them that you can be anything. And then afterwards, we had the local mayor and a couple city officials there, you know, whether they were on different sides of the aisle uh, on different issues. On that day, we all agree. It's about our kids. It's about the city, well, the town that we're at. And so everybody put their differences to the side. And, you know, what I've learned through Smart Army is when we can put differences to the side, ultimately we can reach a goal that we all will compromise on. And uh, that's priceless to me. So talking about some of the work you've done for kids across the state of Virginia, one thing that I'd like you to talk about is what you've been doing with golf carts. And in particular, what you've been doing recently, that story about that young child you're able to help out with that golf cart. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, well, it's uniquely that all my union brothers and sisters, they like to uh, laugh and play with me. Most guys are hunters or fishers or, you know, uh, they have different hobbies. Mine is I'm a guy that likes to tinker with things and build and refix things. And so my son and I, you know, he sort of chased golf carts and would fix them. And so long story short, he got, you know, got dad into it and got granddad in it and we're all railroaders. And so when we're, when we're not railroading or talking about railroading or doing an outside project, sometimes we just get in the garage together and we'll find an old golf cart, we'll fix up and uh, rebuild and, and take it back out in the public. And, you know, most of the time it's for a few dollars here and there, but uh, it's more or less a, a family hobby. So the other day, the Fox family called me up and wanted to come uh, look and buy a golf cart, which is a normal thing. And so uh, I happened to be home and Mr. Fox showed up and went to the spiel of, you know, wanting to buy a golf cart. He took it for a test drive and 
and liked it and, and liked the color scheme that I that I repainted and built it and everything. And he was sold on buying it. And I had to ask the question, uh, it's just who I am. Uh, I'm a guy that's, uh, they always say curiosity kills the cat. But I wanted to know why he wanted it. And so he said that he wanted to buy it for his son. And I said, wow, what a, what a lucky young man. And he said, well, I would like to think that uh, he's a lucky young man, but my son's name is Dalton. What I really mind the golf cart for is I'm probably not going to ever see Dalton drive an automobile. So the closest thing I can do to this is, which I took from the story, was that he could buy a golf cart and was able to see his son drive. And so I had to ask the question, what was wrong with Dalton? And then they told me that uh, he's suffering from pediatric cancer and they've had to amputate one leg and multiple operations and blood fusions and transfusions. And long story short, the, the young man is such brave uh, bravery, spends more time in the hospital than we could ever imagine. And I couldn't, and, and that being said, I could just look and, and see the man's pain in his face. And I said, buddy, I said, uh, I tell you what, I can't, I won't make no money off this golf cart. I said, that's not who I am. I said, I'm the good Lord has blessed me every day for the, for the gifts that I have every day that, uh, nah, well, I tell you what, I just let me bring the golf cart to you. And what will be, uh, if you just pay for the parts, I'm, I'm good with that. And I said, I just want to meet the young man. And so, uh, he just had the biggest smile on his face and said, yeah, I want you to meet if you want to meet him. And I told my, my brother that evening about it. And my brother said, I want to come. And so together, we loaded the golf cart up and went over and uh, we did it as a family event. And we went over and met the Fox family. And I would tell you, when the little boy walked outside, talking about payment enough to see the smile and the joy on that little boy's face on crutches, just hopping over there, limping over there to get on the golf cart and just to be an ordinary person, a young man driving with able to operate it and you know, start and hit the brake and, and drive around the neighborhood and had his sister on the cart. Uh, the smile was just unbelievable. And the grandparents and the parents were there. And of course, our family was there. And it was just a, a beautiful moment. And that's when I learned the fact that pediatric cancer, it's not really funded. And uh, it's private organizations that are funding, but we really don't have any bills per se um, in Congress or in the Senate that really recognizes this. And so I would tell you that this is something that uh, I literally said that, you know, I'm going to bring uh, awareness to. And so I explained to them that I know Congresswoman Elaine Laura and they ultimately they said, well, they were trying to get up with her a few months ago. And I said, well, I have her right here on my, on my cell phone. I said, I'm going to call her right now and we're going to we're going to have a, a, you know, hopefully a bring awareness to this. And she can help explain, you know, the indifferences of, of why this is happening. And so long story short, we had a we had a great phone call and. Uh, we shared the message, and so she took the Fox family's information down, and and so uh, you know, hopefully from there it, it progresses into you know uh, something. But I will tell you that uh, Elaine called me and said, Ronnie, does this is, is this is something? And I said, yes, it, it, it truly is. And so uh, I, I will tell you that uh, the, the smaller story inside the story, which was amazing, is just through communicating. As we talk about, as much as we we lose the insight of, of neighbor neighbor talking. Their family, which I did not know at the time, actually knew my son's wife's family. So how more special that is, the fact that uh, through, uh, you know, different communications, we've got to realize that, you know, we, we have a small circle. And until we open up our circle and do outreaches, we don't know who we know. And uh, so I will tell you that the little boy Dalton is uh, special. And I will tell you my last little thing on this book, which is heart, heartwarming. This morning, I got a call from, I actually got a text message from the Fox family. 
Last week, I know Dalton was in the Children of King's Daughter Hospital fighting a couple um, issues due to all the blood transfusions that he takes. And uh, today, hopefully, um, they sent a beautiful message to me and said, hopefully today he gets to go home. He's a little weak. But the one thing he's been asking for is to take a spin on the golf cart around the neighborhood. If that doesn't touch anybody, I don't know what will. Ronnie, thank you for that story. And I hope that Dalton does get out of the hospital and he gets a chance to take that spin because it's a difficult challenge for him and his family. And just the joy that you're able to bring just for that generosity, it's uh, great. And and I hope he he drives the wheels off that thing. Well, I, I actually have one more little small uh, tidbit of news. Uh, as I, um, you know, as I go and uh, go around Virginia um, and talk about this, and it's, it's, of course, Facebook and everything else is, um, you know, talked about this, um, and my other union brothers and sisters have seen it. I'm very proud of Local 854, the Smart Army. There, just the other day, they they sort of did it that they are going to donate $400 to go towards Dalton's research and caring and honor his name. So we were working out where the money would be headed to, whether it's St. Baldrick's or Caring Bridge. Both uh, organizations deal with pediatric cancer. And uh, how honored I am and just uh, to be able to stand here today and, and chat with y'all. The fact that, you know, I will tell you, I, I'm just so honored that my brothers and sisters of Local 854 and their smart army to our uh, auxiliary women in that, when they see a need, they just step forward. And uh, how, how great it is knowing that if it affects one, it affects all of us. And man, I tell you that they truly are a family. Yeah, the fruits of your work, uh, they're, they're, they're coming together, you know, just in the community. You're also state legislative director out in Virginia. And over the course of the past few years, we've seen a lot of changes as far as the political climate goes in your state. It used to be solidly red. Now it's turning, it's turning blue. Have you seen a difference on the ground uh, when you've talked to your legislators uh, in Richmond? I know that, you know, for instance, two-person crew still, there's work to be done there. But, you know, can you tell us a little bit about some of the progress that you have been able to make? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would tell you, Virginia was primarily a, uh, you know, a Republican-run state. Um, and, and the gears have shifted. The labor unions have band together. Together, we stand up and, and have shown our young leaders to take charge and that we're behind them. And we'll do the phone baking. We'll do the marching. We'll do the door knocking or we'll do the, you know, the Facebook um, interviews or, you know, whatever the means are. But I would tell you, as far as our smart union, it really showed, I would say, um, last year, we had a small railroad down the hill in Virginia. And I brought majority of our membership showed up to hear about our two-person crew bill and to be there and to be part of it, not just to read about it, not just to see a side note of it, to take the day and to realize how this bill will move through a committee and through a subcommittee into the House, into the Senate, and and hopefully uh, onto the governor's desk. And, uh, you know, we, for years, I I was unable to get this, um, the bill um, out of a subcommittee, uh, which was primarily a Republican uh, subcommittee. Well, now that the um, state has made a, uh, a 180 change and, and we're, we're, we're becoming more of a labor-friendly uh, state, the bill moved right out of the uh, subcommittee into the regular committee, to the House committee, and then we moved right into the House. And so when I invited the membership there, 
how honored I was that my members, my brothers and sisters that came and walked the halls of the General Assembly in the, in the, in the state building, whether we were in uh, the Capitol, wherever, they got to see that all the delegates from their areas and senators, they knew who we were. They know who we are. And they thanked us and appreciated the fact that we do keep a safe railroads out there. And it's up to us. And so when I sit around and I talk about, you know, safety issues or an agenda that needs to be taken care of, our local legislators, they see it, they've met our members, and now they understand this is more than just a club. This is about the well-being of all Virginians. And so now they understand that no life should ever be taken granted for. And so when I talk about an issue, whether it's two-person crew, train links, whether it's hazardous condition, a walkway, whatever it is, they understand because they remember that day that all those men and women that work on the railroad were standing in the halls with their white smart army shirts on, um, supporting a bill and seeing, they, uh, I like to say, uh, remembering, uh, we, we can think back when I might be predating myself, but remembering the, the little you know, schoolhouse rock, I'm just a bill. Well, now they got to see the process and understand this is not an overnight thing. And maybe it should be, but I will tell you, at least now they, uh, they see and they understand. So we're just going to keep both feet in and then we're going to keep fighting. And then, you know, we will prevail uh, as long as all of our members and our, our friends and our families, our distant cousins and grandparents, as long as they realize we're not just fighting for our jobs, we're fighting for y'all's safety too. In a recent Vice Magazine article, members and leaders of the Smart Transportation Division spelled out why U.S. Freight Railroad's obsession with precision scheduled railroading, or PSR, to increase profits also increases the level of danger to the public and railroad workers alike. Smart TD President Jeremy Ferguson warned about a decline in the safety culture of freight railroads because of PSR in an in-depth article published on March 22nd. It's going to end up like Boeing, President Ferguson warned. The article is essential reading for all SMART members. Text PSR to 21333 to receive a link. So Ronnie, obviously been a little bit hampered by the pandemic, but April is coming up and that is the SMART Army month of action. Do you have any plans to kind of kick it up a notch coming in, in April? Yeah, so we are going to continue with our food drive because we see the importance of this. We have one local um, in Crew, Virginia, that has uh, made a, uh, I guess, an outreach to find out what the Little League is going to do there. And and then here in Hampton Roads, I have a local that's contacted the elderly nursing homes. I mean, the fact that we've done these ice cream soldiers with them for years. And even if we can't participate in them due to you know the COVID restrictions, we know this is something that uh, we take something so small as Zola ice cream. Um, I watched our membership learn history. And so uh, with that being said, uh, we know we are going to sponsor and do this event and do it in a safely manner. We're still putting together the, I guess, all the algorithms on how this is going to work. But I will tell you that uh, seeing our youth connect, you know, with our elderly has been a priceless event. So, yes, uh, we, we have a, you know, a couple things uh, definitely going to go in. And we have a civic league down in South Melbourne, which two locals are actually involved in that one. And we're trying to get the civic league to meet on railroad safety with, with our smart army organizing and simply just do like a educational for the kids. Since so many kids are at home now, 
uh, we've seen more and more children out on the railroad tracks or near the railroad tracks, whether it's fishing off of bridges or, you know, these things that we need to bring awareness to the kids and say, please stay away from our trains. Absolutely. That's uh, that's something that uh, we really need to get uh, ingrained in, in the children because, uh, you know, with the longer trains and everything, uh, a crossing will get blocked and kids are tempted to climb around the trains. Uh, and that's just absolutely unsafe. Ron, I got to tell you, being here and myself being a resident of Virginia, seeing what you've been doing here on the ground has been astounding, to say the least. The work you've done is a credit to this union, a credit to the labor movement, and a credit to the members of TD in Virginia. You've done a fantastic job. We really, really appreciate you being on this podcast today and taking the time to be on it. We're really honored to have you on here. We hope to have you on here again someday soon, maybe talking about that two-person crew bill in the coming years. Well, Paul, I will uh, hopefully close on this comment. I would like to thank of all, all my smart Army brothers and sisters for the recognition of the ward. But at the end of the day, the ward, I'm just the guy who holds the ward. Um, at the end of the day, the ward, it belongs to all my brothers and sisters, um, whether it's um, local 854 here in Portsmouth or Crew and, um, or, you know, Roanoke, Manassas, Richmond. Every time I ask these uh, brothers and sisters to step forward, whether it's to go down to the local school board, you know, when I found out years ago that a child couldn't get his report card because he had passed due lunches and, the, and a smart army local stepped up and paid the overdue balances so the kid could get his report card. I will tell you, those are the differences that I know I will cherish, that I cherish every day. And at the end of the day, it's our award. And I'm proud that Virginia was the first and we're not done. We're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep showing that we're going to make Virginia even better than yesterday. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Thank Ron. You. Thank you. You're listening to Talking Smart. Mobilize, organize, unionize. Do you have story ideas or have a question for the general president or union leadership? Call us toll-free at 844-984-0947 with your questions or ideas. Once again, 844-984-0947. Next on this episode of Talking Smart is our open mic segment with General President Joseph Sellers. General President Sellers, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Paul, Michael, and Ben. It's great to be back and uh, great to be involved with these podcasts and uh, hear from the members and uh, the questions that they may have. So um, jump right in there, Paul. Thank you. Our question comes from John David, a Local 17 member in Boston, Massachusetts. In a question that he posed through our Smart Facebook page, he asks, last year, the union campaigned hard for Joe Biden during the presidential election. While it's still early, what has he done for workers and more specifically for smart members since he became president? Well, thank you, John, for your question. And you are right. It is still early. But since the president was inaugurated, uh, President Biden hit the ground running on behalf of working families, probably more so than any other president since the days of the New Deal. The list is so long, but we're going to go over just some of the highlights that we've had over the last 70 days. On his first day in office, President Biden fired Pete Robb, general counsel for the National Labor Relations Board. He was an anti and is an anti-union extremist who was appointed by the previous president. 
During Rob's tenure, the board widely expanded employer powers, allowing them to search workers' cars and personal items, eject union organizers from public spaces, withdraw union recognition more easily, discriminate against union members in the workplace, thwart protests, and disregard rights of workers at subcontractors and franchises. Also, on Rob's agenda was to limit and possibly eliminate project labor agreements through the NLRB rule. This was immediately rescinded by Biden's replacement. We also saw a major victory on freight rail labor on bad FRA policy limiting two-person crew progress. This cannot be understated. It will save jobs and enhance safety for our members and the communities we travel through. Throughout the previous administration, they enacted many rules to benefit corporate and capital in lieu of protecting workers. You have seen and heard a lot of complaints from the other side of the aisle. You have seen and heard from President Biden how he protects working families. President appointed Building Trade members as the Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, and the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. The president then appointed a former steer worker to head up OSHA to refocus the agency on its core mission of protecting workers. Appointed a Building Trade official from Minnesota to head up the Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division to protect workers' pay and benefits. Transportation Division President Ferguson and I have met with Transportation Secretary, former Mayor Pete, now Secretary Buttigieg. Towards the end of the former administration, there was a speed to market in almost every department to benefit those in corporate and in capital. New proposed rules that would have given employers on public projects the ability to pay residential rate instead of proper commercial rates. That's gone. New corporate loopholes that got around by American rules closed and President Biden had an enforcement to the rule. Remember two years ago, the assault on the registered apprenticeship program with industry recognized apprenticeship programs or what they were calling IRAPs eliminated by this president and this administration. This would have undermined America's union apprenticeship standards and blocked the path to the middle class. Biden and Harris administration, that threat has now been removed. President Biden presented a two-minute video supporting workers' right to organize and to enjoy the rights of collective bargaining agreements, reinforcing that it's the workers' right to organize, not the employers. By announcing his support for Amazon workers seeking a union in Alabama, he is the first president in 70 years to publicly support a major organizing drive. This and much more has happened in the president's first 70 days. But let's get to President Biden's biggest victory so far, the passage of the American Rescue Plan, putting people and workers back on the agenda and restoring the health of our nation, our economic health and our physical health, supporting working families and not the top 1%. The plan puts our brothers and sisters in Amtrak back to work after being furloughed due to service cuts under the previous administration. The plan addresses retirement security and the multi-employer crisis. This was created by reckless Wall Street behavior, industry deregulation, and employers' abuse of corporate bankruptcy laws. The plan provides $86 billion in financial assistance to eligible multi-employer pension plans to cover benefits through 2051. In addition, the rescue plan provides 100% of healthcare premiums for COBRA-eligible workers who have lost their job involuntarily or who have suffered underemployment. This subsidy is up for six months and expires September 30th, 2021. It provides assets to state and local governments with dedicated resources 
for improving ventilation for returning to schools and buildings. The Biden election campaign is now being backed by solid pro-worker actions on the ground and with real effects that will help us build back better with union labor. We continue to hear good middle-class union jobs from President Biden, from Vice President Harris, as well as his administration. The voice of labor is being heard, and thank you for your question, and I appreciate the opportunity to address it and respond to all your questions. Thank you.